Radio. Tom Savage of Three Red Kings. Tom, a disappointing result for Ireland yesterday on the back end of a 15-13 defeat. Um, and I suppose, look, we had predicted a hell of a lot worse of an outcome in advance of the game. But having, I suppose, having got having got to the point where we put ourselves in a position to win a game like we did the previous week against Wales, um, to not deliver and to kind of... It, it almost highlighted the problems with the Irish team more than if we'd suffered a 20-point hammering, you'd say, OK, grand, it's just the Irish team are nowhere near it. But in a way, this was nearly worse and that it we, we could see that we had the chance, we had the opportunity, but when it presented itself, I mean, look, you even have to look to the to the last penalty... Uh, you know, I know it, Ross Byrne needs to be getting more out of that if if we're going to put ourselves in a in a in a, a position to to finish the match or and even if we're like we needed a penalty. So if we needed a penalty, we got to that go, that ball has to go to the twenty two at least to give ourselves. You know, by the time the line out comes down, by the time the ball gets back to half backs and 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 is hit up in the center or any kind of carry like that, if you're going to be in range for kickable penalties, it has to make there. It didn't and. I think that was that last attacking platform just highlighted, uh, you know, all of Ireland's shortcomings. Yeah, do you know what? If you're Ross Byrne in that in that moment, you probably are thinking, do you know what? If I launch this now, we could be in a position outside the twenty-two. So whatever they do, whatever happens, they infringe. We've a kick. We've we've a kick to win it. But maybe he's thinking last week, what happened when Billy Burns went for uh, big meters and it didn't it didn't pop out. You know, this is a small moment for me. This remind this game reminded me a lot of um, last year, where or, or in twenty uh, yeah last year. It seems like all this is all just one big year since last since last March, <laughs> um, where Ireland were relatively close in the scoreboard against France, but weren't in reality. I think that the scoreboard flattered Ireland here in this game. Um, you look at Ireland's try that was scored. A bounce of a ball off a lineout that we that, that that we actually lost. Um, good finish by Ronan Kelleher, but I just came away from this game yesterday just a little bit dispirited. Really, you looked at that last phase, and we were just going backwards. We were pedestrian. France were relatively comfortable in the end. Antoine Dupont was the guy who got in over the breakdown to steal that ball. A lot of people are saying, "Oh, Ireland don't have any attacking structure or shape." We do have an attacking structure and shape. And it actually is producing the kind of looks that we want, but players aren't taking the opportunities in front of them. Uh, Mike Katz getting a, lot, getting a lot of heat this morning. But if the system that he is putting in place is producing opportunities, and there was, I, I have a, a list that I'm doing from my, 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 uh, my own match rating of video clips. And I have blown one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, 10, 11 opportunities that Ireland blew for the sake of not taking a pass or that's not that's not down to coaching or, or planning then that's just down to players individual skill levels and players owning up to it and, and taking responsibility all the coaching in the world isn't going to uh, isn't going to prepare prepare you for that like you just it, it, it you know if it, the hardest thing is to create those positions once they're created then that's down to the individual Players have to take the opportunities that the system that they're in and that they're training and playing in is producing. Like, you, there's a few options there. Gary Ringrose, for example. 
in this game had multiple opportunities where back to pass, Hugo Keenan back to pass and, and chose not to back to pass. There was one moment in er, relatively early in the game where um, Ireland's 3-2-2, 3-2-1 hybrid system that we're doing produced a clear moment on the edge of, the, of, 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 a, of an attacking phase. Lovely passing by, Bar, by Gibson Park, a fantastic attack line and pass through a screen from Billy Burns. Gives the ball to Hugo Keenan. He's got three players outside him. He's got one or two French defenders there. He can kick through for James Lowe, who is flat on his line. If he passes the ball to Ringrose or to, to, to Herring accurately, there's probably a, you, you get a significant line break. Maybe not a try. Maybe the try comes a phase or two later. If he can kick that ball on an angle through for James Lowe and Lowe picks it up, it's a try under the posts every time. Instead, he bricks the pass. Goes to pass, gets it in between ring rows and herring, ball gets knocked on, chance gone. There was a couple of other opportunities like this as well where the system produced the look we were looking for, but the players in the moment froze, didn't make the pass, didn't make the carry. It's incredibly frustrating uh, because you look at Ireland in the end here, we had opportunities, but this to me feels like a 10-point loss that somehow came back to a two-point loss. Um, and from a, an offensive perspective, the amount of opportunities that we left behind, like for example, James Lowe, he got bundled into touch very, very close to that try, uh, to getting a try there, I think, in the first half. The pass from Keenan before there has to be a step or two later. He has to commit more defenders. Instead, he, 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 he made it an easier one to defend. He, he, he instead, of, instead of making it a one-on-one uh, with Lowe and a French defender, he made it a two-on-one, if you know what I mean. It, it, it just, you know, fine, get the ball away, but you have to get her away in such a way that you, if you ha- if you get the ball away and haven't committed a tackler, I put it to you as, as an attacking back, you haven't done your job. No, like, he's a good player. Hugo Heenan is a good player. Like these, They're all good players, but it's those small moments. Like, they, like and, and, and this is a very good French team like we look at Wales they were they were a pretty good team as well like they're on a bad run but you look at the improvement Ireland have improved my issue is is that everybody else is improving as well and it seems to me right now last week this week that we are not improving at the same rate as the teams that we are competing with Ireland will more than likely in two weeks beat Italy you would say but will Italy be looking at Ireland's last two weeks and going there's, we're terrified of these guys. Absolutely not. Yeah, like, it, it, I, I, I can see Italy being a, being a struggle. You know, we will probably get over the line, but you, and you'd imagine that our Ireland will. It's hard to see Craig Casey not getting game time in this one, and and a significant chunk of game time. And if he doesn't, then you're wondering, you know, why? Um, James Lowe yesterday, Tom, a player that does a lot good, but you're just never. You know, he he like some some of his kicking out of hand for touch yesterday was superb, and some of his but but then on the flip side, it's it's just he, he's very very and very inconsistent player. When he's good, he's very good, and when he's bad, he can he can be terrible. Ireland's usage rate of James Lowe yesterday was massive. He was showing up at first receiver for Ireland again. Some of his passing there. There was one moment in particular where he... Because what happens is that Ireland go for those wide rock positions. And James Lowe will step in as first receiver to allow 
Burns or Ross Burns. There's a lot of Burns in this Irish side um, to allow them to extend their lines out beyond, uh, or like behind the forward structure, right? In that moment, James Lowe is a guy who can carry and the opposition have to worry about it. He can offload, you have to worry about that too. And he, he passes as he did here, but some of his passing for me was just a bit, a bit average. He ran Ed Byrne into a collision where Ed Byrne is like hands over the head to collect the ball, has to reshape his body and lost the collision with Antoine Dupont. So like you look at these moments and go, okay, that is a poor moment. Even then, Ireland had an opportunity based off the back of that to go wide, but the pass from Ross Byrne to Gary Ringrose wasn't good enough. These are small, like the ball gets there, but the margins at test level are very small. Ringrose has to shape on his left side to catch the ball. And by the time he has moved the ball across to the point where it can be moved, Gregory Aldrich is in his face and he can't get that pass away. If he gets it, gets it away accurately, Ireland have a three on one down the touchline with Keith Earls on the outside, Josh van der Fleer or Robbie Henshaw even. So, like, these, these guys, players can finish opportunities. We need to get these guys into positions where our ball players can make plays. If they're, make, if they're making passes and they're not coming off or whatever else, fine. But to me, like, uh, I, I thought Billy Burns had a good first half. I thought that the quality of possession that we had and that we, as, as the game progressed, I felt... Ross Byrne began to get very static, started to ship the ball on a little bit. And you can see moments in the game, later in the game, where he is either taking too much out of the ball and letting the French defence back into the game, or he is not moving the ball on with enough variety that the French defence, you can see, start to drift the minute he has the ball. So they are not worried about Ross Byrne catching them on the inside shoulder they're thinking, he's passing this. We're getting our numbers there. All those small steps and spaces and, and, and literal seconds of time and space that you were not able to create makes things difficult for the fellas outside you. And that last passage of play, you and, can and, see. And, and especially it makes it even more difficult again. That's, a, that's multiplied and magnified when, when it's a team that's physically bigger than you. I mean, you'll, you, you get away with that with a team that you can dominate the collisions with and that you can get over the gain line with easily, then that's kind of not really, it's important, but not as important as if, you know, as if you're, you know, when you don't have the same firepower as a French team, then you're going to have to create an advantage somewhere else. And that's where you can create an advantage. If you're not doing it there, you're not going to do it physically on the outside. Yeah, I mean, I felt that Ireland did relatively well in the collisions in the forwards, relatively speaking. They didn't more massively dominant. But set piece they, was set piece was better yesterday as well, Tom. Set piece was solid. They got some good possession there. Um, they disrupted France early in the game. I mean, uh, France got, got it together as the game went on. But like you look at the what the forwards produced, I think it was pretty good. Like I mean, it wasn't outstanding, but they they produced workable possession. But once that ball and like again, a lot of this stuff kind of falls on the halfbacks. I think Ross Byrne had a, a had an average game. Billy Burns had a slightly better game. I wouldn't be rating any of the, like either of these two guys as you know four star, five star games. Like not both of them for, w- w- would be three star performances for me, just the way I rate them on my own side. But it comes down to they were able to get the ball into the position for guys to make something happen. And again, you look at those guys and go, okay, well, now you have the ball. Now you have to make a play. 
I think Ireland are crying out for a second playmaker. They're crying out for somebody who can step in, whether that's somebody at 12, whether that's somebody at fullback. Um, because I, I think was, was, had... was Ringrose not that playmaker? Was he, was he not the guy that was touted for that role as the creative midfield? Not on, not on the evidence of here. He had a lot of possessions, but for me, like a lot of the, 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 the decision-making and um, the options he took, the execution, not for me. Like there was a few, like three or four opportunities where uh, he's surging around the outside, where he gives the pass a little bit earlier. We likely get a more significant break than what we got. Uh, there's a few occasions when he kicks the ball away in key moments when let's back our pass here. And like, Passing is not always the right option. Sometimes you do have to carry it up. Sometimes there's no point in throwing an offload. You just try to reset. I, I just felt that as the game wore on, the basics of our pass accuracy, line running, all began to degrade. Like, Gibson Park had an average game for me. He's capable of fantastic passing and accuracy. But it's the inconsistency. For every time... Uh, he's throwing a very sharp, accurate pass. There's passes that are coming that are over guys' heads and they have to reshape. You can get away with this, like pass accuracy below where, you know, below where it needs to be. You can get away with that against teams you're comfortably dominating on the game night. But against the France side who are winning collisions, who are pressurizing in their line speed, you have to be perfect and spot on with your passing. And that is starting to degrade for me with the, the like where you see guys you know they're they're staggering their lines like they're they're taking passes on the inside shoulder when they should be running onto them and it, like this sounds like one of those things oh all you need to do is draw and you know fix the man draw and pass it's not like the game is more complex than that but you can see little moments there there was one example where we we did a four man line out um, and we ex- we executed it perfectly got the ball down off the top great this is our ball the way we passed and structured our shape off that line out You'd swear that we got the ball unexpectedly. You know, there's guys like Lowe is running into a passing lane and Gibson Park has to reshape to give it to Burns who has to stop his line. The guys outside are the same because they're moving as well. All those small moments add up. And again, like you look at the, the, the try for Ronan Kelleher. I'm not sure if we get that bounce of a ball. I'm not sure we score a try in that second half. I, I don't think we do, to be honest with you. I think... I think that score just gave us something to cling on to, really, for for the for the last kind of ten minutes of the game, rather rather than anything we really constructed or you know put together with a with meaning meaningful structure. I think you know it, we we caught a break there is 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 as much as you could say for it. Um, but I mean, look, we we had an, we had an entire 40 minute half to try and create a, a genuine try scoring opportunity that we didn't we had time after we scored that try i think 68 minute if i'm correct we had 12 minutes to fashion an opportunity didn't really look even remotely close like it when we did get the chance we didn't take advantage of the I don't know, we got the chance to create a penalty to win the match we didn't we didn't get the the the, the mileage we needed on the line out so you know, had opportunities, but again, you know, like with the Wales game last week, when it when it really came down to the crunch, just did not deliver. And you know, obviously, this competition is now a write-off in terms of any silverware, but I don't think you can. You know, France have been in this position plenty of times 
in the last uh, the last ten years or more. Um, you know, they're operating with an entirely different player pool and entirely different resources than Ireland are. But we've done it before, Tom. Can we do it again? Uh, well, look, I, I think you're you're right that this Six Nations is is gone now, but. Andy Farrell's situation is such like you look at you look at Andy Farrell yesterday. Uh, in that last ten minutes, it would seem perfect for a guy like Craig Casey, even on his first cap, to come on and let's try something a bit different. I think that like a lot of people make comparisons between Antoine Dupont and Craig Casey, and there's there's some merit to that. But I think that uh, Craig Casey is a different type of scrum half. His main uh, selling point for me is the pace, accuracy, and consistency of his passing game. That seemed like a perfect opportunity yesterday to vary up what we were seeing. To try and, well, look, we're finding space in the outside of the French defense. Let's have a cut off them there in the last 10 minutes. Let's see what their cardio is like. Let's see if they will make mistakes in the outside edge. Instead, we kind of stuck with what we had, looking to try and nick something. And I looked at that last passage of play out, off the lineout, and it's just. Is, is, is this why we left Craig Casey on the bench? To produce this? I like Gibson Park. He's a good player. But at, at some point yesterday, you would have gone, well, why would you bring Craig Casey into the squad in the first place if you weren't going to use him off the bench to try something a little bit different? Maybe, maybe you're thinking as coach, well, Gibson Park, Ross Byrne, they have a lot of experience playing together. At the end there, there was... I, th I think it was an, a, an entire Leinster backline that was out. So you're thinking, well, we'll bank on these guys, uh, their cohesion, the experience they have together, to try and produce something for us. It didn't happen. And I think if you're Craig Casey, you're thinking, why did they include me in this match day squad? Why, like, he probably has Ireland gear, you know? Like, if you're not going to back a guy who you bring into the squad when Conor Murray is injured, why select him? In that case, why not just bring John Cooney in from the start? Why not just bring Kieran Marmion in two or three weeks ago and let Craig Casey be training away with Munster until the point where he is actually used? That was a disappointing part of yesterday's game for me. I understand it. Look, I mean, the coaching crew here are under pressure. They're looking for a result. Ireland haven't lost uh, two games in a row for many years. They haven't lost at home to France in 10 years. 1998 was the last time we lost the op uh, the opening two rounds of a of a championship. Yeah, God, the 90s, <laughs> getting flashbacks. Yeah, but that's, yeah, that's not, that's not a good omen. No, we do, we definitely don't want to go back there. No. Yeah, but you you look at it and go, okay, we lost this game, and like you you can see, I I can understand why a coach is thinking, well, I leave the senior guy on because France are leaving Antoine Dupont on, so I'm going to leave my starter on as well. We're going to back their cohesion to make something happen. Okay, I can get that. But now we're at a point where the, the championship is gone. There, there, there will be no championship. We've lost two games in a row. Going to go and play Italy now, and the pressure will be at that point. Well, we need a result now. I can't, like the, the, like the coaching crew will look at this and go, we can't lose this game to Italy. Because then the real pressure starts. You know? So they may look at that and go, well, will we pick a stronger team than what we maybe would have for the Italy game? And then you might win that game. But then it comes on to Scotland, who are improving at a race greater than Ireland, I would say, at the moment. Whether Ireland will beat Scotland or not, look, that's uh, two games in the future. And then we've got England, who were poor on the opening day of the season, 
of the Six Nations, but will get better and were better against Italy and will be better by the time we play them. It doesn't get any easier from here. And if you're Andy Farrell, you're thinking, I've got injuries. I've got Conor Murray and Johnny Sexton out. They are two hugely important players to Ireland and they they set the tone and, and they are still... I think we can see now that it's not necessarily Sexton and Murray that has been the problem. And people like to put it on them because they're older guys. But I, I think that for now, I think that nobody would blame Andy Farrell. I think it actually might take a bit of pressure off Andy Farrell if he's saying for the rest of this tournament, well, not saying out loud, you're never going to say, well, we're, we're, we're jacking in the rest of the tournament, we're just going to develop young players now. But to bring in the likes of Ryan Baird, the likes of Harry Byrne, the likes of uh, Gavin Coombs, the likes of Craig Casey and other young players, get them in. Let's have a look at them. I know it's difficult with COVID and there's different bubbles and stuff like that and it's easier to you know, call Harry Byrne up because Ireland are based in and around Dublin. So it's easier for the Leinster players to just get those minutes in training. This has been a constant for the last five or ten, like this for the last five or ten years, really. It's all been based in Carton House and the Performance Centre, which is in that sphere. So it's easier for a Harry Byrne to come in there than what it is for a Ben Healy or for a Jack Crowley or whatever else. So, okay, let's use those guys. Let's have a look at Ryan Baird. Let's have a look at Coombs. Let's have a look at Harry Byrne. Let's have a look at these guys. Because what I'm seeing from yesterday or from this the, the the game on Sunday is that we are improving that is true and, Har- and Ian Henderson mentioned this after the game that Ireland are improving we do have a lot of injuries true but at this point we've got two losses we're not winning a championship we need to see can we improve can we bring guys in who are going to be big players for Ireland in the 2022 Six Nations that's what we kind of need to see because we're kind of seeing a lot of guys now who are coming in and kind of going, well, are, is, is this where Ireland are going now? What, what is our future? We have some key areas where I think we do need development. Uh, these guys are good players and these coaches are, are good guys. I just want to see now, well, what is the next step now? Because I don't want to get into this idea of guys' jobs being under pressure or whatever else. Andy Farrell would know that if results aren't good enough, that he will go. I mean, that's just the, the, the way professional sport goes. But he's not at that point yet. And I think now he can let an awful lot of pressure off himself by backing these talented young guys that we have and seeing what they can do. Because we kind of we kind of know what this group can do. Yeah, and I don't think anyone's going to have a... I mean, <clears throat> I, I think for the most part, people's expectations heading into this were fairly realistic. And we we do realise that it's an Irish team on a, on a on a downward curve at the moment. And you know, Andy Farrell's tasked with, 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 with getting that curve going in the other direction, but you're going to have to take some pain along the way in, in that process. Um, and, I, and I don't think people would be on his back as much if we see some sort of, um, you know, I won't say experimenting, I suppose it is in a sense, but some sort of saying, you know, okay, fine, this isn't going to be our year, but let's be brave enough to put the guys in positions that, you know, we're going to get the minutes or get them the minutes they need so that in next year's or in the year after next year that we're in, if we're in those game closing minutes or the, the, the those game winning opportunities when we're down two or three points that we have that we have the, the experience in the bank to capitalize on it and that we're we, we have the the nous and the and the game experience to do it ireland in the last uh what three years have had an under 20 side that has been incredibly close last year probably would have won a grand slam the year before 
They won a Grand Slam. Young players that are obviously talented. I think that since the breakthrough of the generation of James Ryan and Andrew Porter and probably Jordan Larmour, who were in and around that time, we haven't seen the same escalation of guys in. And with COVID, there's always worry because, like, you know, we probably would have had a developmental tour in the summer that maybe some of these younger guys could have gone. I think we were due to tour, tour Australia, for example. This year, we were due to tour the, the Pacific Islands. I'm not sure if that's going to happen. But you look at that and go, well, these are opportunities that players are missing. So what do we do? Like, how do we bring these guys in? And I look, and Andy Farrell with the RFU, like a focus for them always is to bring in um, uh, players uh, and to do well in the Six Nations. Like the Six Nations is Ireland's, the RFU's bread and butter, really. Performance there is very important. And I agree with that because that's the tournament every year that brings in a lot of revenue and for me is more important than the World Cup. Just from, from my, from, on my own thinking on it. But we need also to make sure that we're, we're getting chains of succession of guys in there. And it's not a case of just throwing guys out the minute they hit 30. But we've seen now over the last couple of years, 2018 was a very high watermark for this Ireland side. Are we going to get back to that level with, with the, the group that we're playing yesterday? I, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know. Like we're, we're kind of seeing where we're producing these opportunities, but they're not being taken. And, and these are senior players. It's not like Gary Ringrose is a 21-year-old young fella. Like, you know, like you can forgive Hugo Keenan. Forgive him. It's not like he didn't, did anything wrong. Like, you can you can say, okay, look, he's a young guy. He's still developing at test level. Gary Ringrose is hugely experienced. He's a guy who um, is a, a massive player for Leinster. And you see these moments yesterday where you want that guy, creative player, Gary Ringrose, to let that ball go. And to just, let's have a look at that side of the game. I think if lads maybe aren't backing their skill sets, they're not backing the past, they're not backing structure, because uh, the structure is there, we're just not seeing it. Maybe we need to start looking now at bringing in some of those younger guys. Maybe that needs to be a big priority. This Six Nations is gone. And Ireland will certainly not throw out a whole rake of young lads against Scotland because we lose that game. And then if we do the same against England at home, we, we could probably lose that game as well. Do Ireland want to be uh, one win in the Six Nations team this year? Absolutely not. And there's no guarantee that putting young guys in means you lose, but Scotland are on an upward swing at the moment. England are an incredibly strong side who will come and who will look to try and put a beating on Ireland in lands and at the Viva Stadium. They like they what like they do not need to have the same developmental conversations that Ireland do because they have a team that will more or less be the nucleus of what's going to happen in 2023. My point is I'm not sure Ireland are at that point right now where we have a lot of guys where we go, well, we know for certain that these guys will be here in 2023 and they will be, they will be guys who will be, you know, a, a mainstay of our test team in 2025. I'm not sure right now that the team we saw yesterday has a lot of those guys in it. Yeah, uh, I tend to agree with you on that one. Um, look, tough times ahead for Irish rugby, Tom. Um, and it won't get any easier to, uh, as, as we face Italy, Scotland and uh, and England in our remaining matches. Obviously, of course, we, we would expect to beat the Italians, but um, the other two games, uh, I just don't know. Um, there was other rugby action over the weekend. Uh, Wales and Scotland, what a game. Some excitement. Um I think we, you had mentioned that you thought Scotland were going to put up a score here, but it's Wales, Tom, they just... I saw a tweet there 
uh, from someone over the weekend about like this Welsh team. They just seem to find wins uh, and just to dig them out of places. And, you know, fair play to them. They did it again at the weekend, helped by another red card decision, which, again, hard to disagree with. Um despite some of the some of the commentary afterwards um but if if omahanis was a red card last week then this is a red card this week it, the, the laws as far as i'm concerned didn't change uh, in 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 the in the 7 days preceding the Scotland Wales game so another another red card decision correct and uh, another welsh win yeah look it was it, it, it was a red card i mean you can look at um i i think because people have this weird parasocial relationship with Peter Romani where they think that he means to go out and you know get his forearm or his elbow tapping the guy in the face as he's trying to clear out but a guy like Xander Fagerson the poor young flesher he doesn't know what he's doing he's just trying to clear out a rook and like because I saw a lot of the the Scottish accounts that I saw last week on social media um who were kind of going on about Peter Romani and saying oh you know we're this week kind of going oh well look there's mitigating circumstances it was a red card. Look, it's just one of those things where if you have to come that far away from the ruck and you're flying in and, the, and there's no way, because people say, oh, well, how is he supposed to clear him out? You've lost that ruck. If you're coming from that far away, like the referee should really be calling that as a penalty before it even happens. Instead, we're kind of giving guys, I think the survive the clean out thing was supposed to be gone, but in this instance, it wasn't. That was a lost ruck that Wales had won. And that Xander Fagerson was seeing, I'm, I've got to try and clear this out. So he's coming in to clean it. Where is there to hit? It's only uh, the uh, player's face. Was it Wynne Jones? Like, he's got to go in. He's got to try and clear it out. The only place that he can realistically hit is either Wynne Jones' head or the back of his neck. Wynne Jones happened to lift up as the, the rock was going backwards and he got smashed in the face. Like, at that point, I think the referee has to look at it and go, that's a penalty to Wales because they have won that They have won that ball. So instead, Xander Fagerson is coming from miles away to clean it out. And he hits the guy in the face. It's a red card. And I think that if there's no red card, I think uh, Scotland probably win that game. But you look at Wales last week or last year, they were losing these games. They would have lost last week to Ireland. They would have lost to Scotland this week. Um, but... It just seems that they're just getting the little rub of the green that maybe they didn't get last year, a few decisions going their way, and all of a sudden they're on for a, two wins from two. They're on for a slam, same as France. Uh, it's going to be incredibly difficult for them to, you know, even just to play France and, and, and against England. But again, you wouldn't you wouldn't bet against them because if they're getting the like because some of the opportunities that they produced for for Rizamet, for example were high quality and executed perfectly. Like I thought Willis Halaholo um, had a fantastic game. Or uh, you were silly Halaholo. Uh, he had a fantastic game for Wales. Um, where his footwork, his pace, his change of direction, his passing, put the ball into a guy like Louis, Louis Rees-Samet's hands in a position where he can be dangerous and he will score tries. That's kind of what we want to see Ireland doing. You know, yes, Wales have had issues as well, but what we want to see is is a little bit what Wales produced here in attack, which was a bit scruffy at times, but it created opportunities for them. Yeah, it certainly did, and I, I look, I, I just 
like I said, you, you just have to you have to admire the the two Welsh performances, or, or sorry, the, the, certainly the one uh, last weekend where it did it did seem uh, uh, that they were right up against it. Uh, England, Italy, the the result, I suppose. Look, the result is what it is. Uh, we were always expecting England to have more than enough to pull away, but the big talking point of it, Johnny May's try, jumping into a tackle, or diving to score a try. I think uh, Nigel Owens on Twitter made a very good point that if there is nobody there and he makes that dive, then he's finishing a try. If there's a tackler there and he's jumping that over and he's diving over the tackler to score the try, then it's jumping into a tackle. What's your take on that, Tom? Which, of course, is a penalty. I think that... um the what we want in the game is big moments, cool moments like Johnny May's try. I think if we're focusing on did he jump into the tackle when it's a fantastic finish like that that people are looking at and going to go, that is a cool moment. I think we're doing the game a disservice, to be honest. I think we need a little bit of context. He's looking to try and finish the try because he's close to the try line. He's looking to try and avoid the tackler. We want good finishes in that. We want big moments. We want a situation where guys can score big tries like that and have it be a cool moment without kind of flicking out the law book and, oh, sorry, that was actually illegal. Uh, do you know what I mean? Uh, like, look, I, I get people's argument that it's a jump into the tackle. I want cool moments in the game like that. I like big finishes like that. Like, that's the kind of stuff we want in the game. I think that if we're looking at those moments afterwards and kind of going... Well, actually, according to the, 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 the look, I, I think we're doing ourselves a disservice. I think we're kind of, you know, I, I, I get the laws are important and safety, whatever else. I'm not sure that's incredibly dangerous, that moment out in the wing. I think that's a cool moment. And yeah, look, you get into the whole thing. Well, can he be tackled legally or whatever else? I look up, I think if he's that close to the line and he's backing himself to finish that as, as athletically as he can, I think that's a good moment. Look, maybe I'm wrong. I, I just think I want those, I want big, cool moments of athleticism and excitement in the game uh, because I think that is good for the sport. And I think that sometimes we can kind of over-legislate like we're in the Supreme Court rather than watching a <laughs> athletic competition between teams and, and athletes. Tom, um, obviously what's coming up on the Patreon page as you go through the aftermath of the Ireland uh, defeat to France? Well, the uh, Wally ratings will be out um, at some point on Monday. I will have um, podcasts. I'll, I'll, I'll be looking in depth at Ireland's attack as well and looking at the areas where I think our structure is working, but individual decisions might not be. That'll be coming up all this week on patreon.com for slash Kings for just two euro a month.